Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. The, uh, of course, we are on the brink almost of this, this court case, and it came very, very quickly, which I think is a good thing, by the way. Uh, the sooner, the better, because let's get it, let's, uh, let's get through it and uh, see what it all looks like. Daniel Eloff. He's a legal analyst. He's a director at Hertzbiz. He joins us this morning. Daniel, very good morning. Thank you for doing so. How are you? Fine. Thank you for allowing me to be back. Hope you're doing well. I am indeed. Well, the announcement yesterday that Jeremy Corbyn will be joining South Africa's case on genocide is uh, perhaps unsurprising, but quite <laughs> foolish. Uh, from from the perspective that Durko, both Durko and the ANC have spent a lot of time certainly telling me that they're not anti-Semitic and then they have chosen probably the most well-renowned uh, Western anti-Semite as, uh, as their ally. Uh, talk about mixed yeah. messages. Yeah, I know. It's, it's rather bizarre. I, I, I don't know who it says more about, the ANC or Jeremy Corbyn, that those two uh, parties decide to, to join mm, forces. Mm. And and I'm not sure, uh, you know, in, in the court papers that South Africa filed and uh, the ANC government filed at the ICJ, they mention, you know, this international wave of support and prominent political figures that supports uh, South Africa's actions. And so far, the only person they've been able to convince to join their delegation is Jeremy Corbyn, who, to be frank, is a, is a washed out, disgraced former politician of the UK. I mean, the, the point is, he left office due to not being able to handle and deal with the open anti-Semitism within his own party. Um, uh, he, he literally left public office due to that. And now, he's joining forces with South Africa. So, I mean, it's it's rather bizarre and it's quite strange for South Africa to decide to, to welcome him open arms into their delegation. Yeah, it's. It, it, I wonder what the legal team has to say about this. I mean, would they, this this wouldn't be within their purview, would it? I mean, is, is this political mm, no, or no, legal? certainly not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but certainly not. It, it's it's simply, I, I think it's, it's sort of a, a gesture. It's a political move, right? But I mean, and that's, so the real point is this entire court case is a political move because in a way that what the ANC has done and it's rather clever you must admit that is win or lose they, they're going to gain favor out of their core base right mm, mm. The, the, the regardless if, if, if South Africa wins the case then their supporters are going to say wonderful look South Africa is taking in a, a moral position against the, the supposed genocide in, in Gaza if South Africa loses the case then they can say well look just how corrupt the international institutions and captured the international uh, institutions are. So uh, politically speaking, it's not a bad move for them to really solidify their base prior to the 2024 election. And you sort of see that sentiment being shared. You know, I don't know about you, but my social media I see it all over the place where people say they're so proud to be South Africa, yes, so, yes. so wonderful to see South Africa taking this position. Um, so, but, but obviously that's a very small part of the South African broader public, I believe, but it is a vocal part. Well, the question is, does that translate to anything? I wonder, one might feel mm. uh, happy that we've won the rugby, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be voting for the ANC when it comes to the ballot, because what I'm concerned about is load shedding and education and healthcare and and corruption. So even if the ANC in some areas 
get this right. Um, I think it is naive to assume that mm. this is going to translate uh, back to votes. That's that's. I mean, it's it's completely true. The the most immediate thing that any person will remember on election day is whether the lights were on the previous day, or whether they had running water, or whether they were you know mugged recently. So that's that's completely true. I guess the only concern is it's it's unfortunately not just the ANC who I believe are very anti-Semitic in South Africa. The EFF are very vocally uh, anti-Israel and anti mm. anti-Semitic, and 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 the concern is that some of those votes just jump over to to the EFF will, who will I, I believe be much of the same when it comes to actual service delivery and the party's position regarding Israel mm, mm. so the 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 case tomorrow uh, as you say Jeremy Corbyn his involvement is obviously political he's not going to present a yes. case um, or he's not yes. going to uh, how, how does this all work how does this play out yeah, so, so it will be structured over two days, uh, South Africa getting two hours to make submissions tomorrow and then the day thereafter um, Israel will get two hours to respond. And I, I, if I recall and understand it correctly... Is that all? Is it just um, two hours on each side? Yes, which is wow. rather strange. I mean, you'd, you'd expect them to set out the entire two days, but that's, uh, that's, that's what's been planned. But you... Mm. I mean, uh, you, you never know how it will play out or if it will take more time. I believe it deserves more time and, you know, the issues need to be properly ventilated. And if I if I understand the process correctly, Minister Lamola will be providing a statement on behalf of the South African government prior to the legal argument starting. I don't know how much legal weight that will carry, but mm. uh, that's how it's been planned. And uh, the right, okay. So, so the, in terms of of locus standi, how how is it possible for South Africa to to bring this case? Can any country around the world bring a case against somebody else, even if they aren't involved with the conflict? Yeah, so I mean, the, the uh, Genocide Convention basically does have a rather broad standing provision saying any person could lodge the complaint. But I mean, it, it, it's still it's still a tad bizarre. I mean, you didn't see any other countries throughout the world bringing the same the same complaint. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think that the court will take a technical point like a lack of juris, uh, of, of locus standi in this matter, because I, I think the public sentiment will definitely be against that, because now. They, they're deciding not to take any side, right? Where so they're basically just going to uh, miss everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe likely, uh, you know, and, and they'll view it as an important issue that needs to be decided on. So they'll likely continue with the matter regardless. It, it often happens in these bigger type of cases, which have a big principle behind it, that they they don't go for the technical points just to get a case thrown out. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few people are asking, who who funds this? Who is funding South Africa's? Uh, because this is must be costing uh, the country millions and millions of rands. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the short answer is us, uh, you, me, the listeners. Uh, it's the taxpayer money being used to, to fund this entire trip uh, over there and the legal team to be there. Um, that's how they're being paid. 
do we have the right to, or do, do one of the opposition parties have the right to demand accountability for this and, and spend? Yeah, well, well I mean, I, certainly there are some legal mechanisms available to any person to find out the reasoning. You can, you can any administrative decision can be taken on review and you can ask for reasons. Um, so it's not perhaps a bad idea for some South African institutions to, to consider that route um, and to challenge this decision because obviously any administrative action, a decision by a government official, has to be rational, has to be reasonable. So um, it, 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 I think, is a worthwhile uh, uh, exercise to go through and to at least ask for the reasons and the reasoning on why they decided to, to launch this case. Mm. And uh, your sense of how this is going to play out? It's rather difficult to say. You see, you see, the thing is with with the ICJ, unlike our courts, is our courts are inundated with court cases. There are thousands of cases every month, so you sort of get a, a better feel for the trends that mm. sort of arise mm. in the courts. Mm. The ICJ get about three hundred complaints in a year, and the majority of those aren't actually heard. Right, so the majority of them just get dismissed or, or you know, mediated or whatever. So you, you don't really have a good feeling for what the trend will be but that being said it is an international body and unfortunately it's not as if israel have the greatest record with these international bodies i mean i, I think if i recall correctly israel has been condemned on average something like 13 times a year by various international mm. entities mm. in the past 10 years and and it's sort of it's become hollow words it's hollow condemnations and it's it's sort of just become part of the routine that's what you know the international community does but it never actually goes over into action because I think we all when we're real, really really honest we everyone knows what's really going on yeah but, you know people just so put up the pretense of, of what they want to show uh, that is where we leave it and of course we'll check in with you and get your thoughts as this plays out Daniel Elop thank you for joining us once again it's